This episode of the RPG Academy podcast is sponsored by Lunar Games. You may be familiar with Lunar Games from their previous appearances on our show. Back in April of 2018, we hosted a show and tell and a trial of Endless Realms, their first RPG offering. And then in 2019, we interviewed their lead designer and CEO for Tome of Spirits, their first supplement for Endless Realms. Well, now they are coming back for a new Kickstarter launching on May 31st, 2022. This will be for an Endless Realms creature compendium that is also D&D 5e compatible. This creature compendium will feature over 224 fully illustrated creatures, including over 18 new dragon species and 20 mystical creatures, as well as a plethora of other original creatures who are ready to take on any adventurers who dare cross their path. A majority of these creatures are entirely original, with a few familiar foes with some updates and new and unique twists. Each of these creatures contains a large amount of lore, which will aid game masters in world building and adventure setting. So please follow the links in our show notes and check out the Endless Realms Creature Compendium Kickstarter and throw them some support. If you do end up backing them, please let them know you heard about their campaign on our show. We want to thank Lunar Games for their sponsorship, and we wish them the best of luck and good fortune for this Creature Compendium Kickstarter going live on May 31st. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I'm back tonight with co-host Tom and we are here for faculty meeting number 158, Being Critical. This is a continuation of our ongoing series where Tom is taking a look back at our old original Dungeon Talk episodes and kind of taking a look at how things may have changed since then uh, till now, as long as some other things that we do every time. So uh, Tom, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. So you've been on a bit of a hiatus. You, yeah. uh, you, you moved. Uh, it's been a very long process. You had to like, you got your house ready to sell. Then you sold yes. your house. You bought a house. You moved into the house. You moved out of the other house. Not necessarily in that order. And the only reason we're actually able to record tonight is because you're actually traveling. You're out of your home, either yes. of them. But you're at a hotel and you have a mic and a computer. So uh, we're, we're making it happen. I have a mic. I have a place to set my computer, and that is that's all I need right now. <laughs> so yeah, but we've been moving, uh, not like you said, not in that order. It definitely feels like a jumbled mess. But for anybody who's moved, it is a process, and I have not played games in. It's going on. It's got to be close to two months now, because we started packing everything up, and our weeks were so busy. I said gaming group we got to take a pause and now we've moved into the new house and i had two people text me yesterday it's like hey tom uh when we playing again (laughs) and i just said soon 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 all right soon it's coming but i still have all my stuff in boxes right now uh believe me i i know a lot about moving i've done it a whole lot in my life for various reasons and I don't ever want to do it again unless, unless something happens. I get wealthy enough where I can literally just say to someone, you move my stuff and I will show up when it's done. I'm not moving again. Yeah. And you organize it. 
you unpack it and organize it just how I want it to be done. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Which which means it's never happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Never happening. All right. So quickly want to mention, we do have a new patron. We haven't had one in a while, but we have a new one now because we haven't recorded in a while. It has worked out. So welcome Gerald H to our Patreon family. Thank you so very much for supporting us. It truly means the world. And then our patron of the week, which in this case is like the month is Remy. Uh, Remy is one of our most active people on the discord. I'd love that dude. Um, He's up in Canada somewhere, so he gives us always a different sort of point of view. He's big into hockey, uh, which I care nothing about. He 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 makes some amazing looking food. Like our food channel uh, is just chock full of the things he's making. I mean, he's gifted when it comes to that. So Pro. I'm glad that dude is in our life, not just because he's a patron, but I consider him a friend. Yes, agreed. I bought a walk because of Remy. So <laughs> Remy posts, was always posting about his walk, and I always wanted a walk. And so I told my wife that I wanted to walk. And so she got me one for my birthday and a really nice one that Remy approved of. So I was like, all right, cool. Nice. All right. So before we get into the show, we always want to take a moment to say while we're here, the goal of these faculty meeting episodes is that at some point in the conversation that Tom and I are about to have, we hope that somewhere in there, there'll be something, a little nugget of wisdom that you, dear listener, can pull out and apply at your table to make the games more fun for you and your friends. But we understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time. But there is one piece of advice that we do feel is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter which game you're playing, the system or addition, what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, as long as everyone at your table is having a good time, you're doing it right. So with that out of the way, let's jump into the RPG news. RPG news. I guess one of the first things, we have not talked in a while, and my head has been in the sand, so I miss updates on Discord all the time and Twitter, but Michael, do we have any Action 12 updates? This is me holding you accountable (laughs) to someday make this game, all right? So, unfortunately, nothing... Major uh, Tracy is actively working on it. We now have a shared document, so it's back where I can see oh, it. Okay. Uh, so they are making their edits as well as like they they have their own way of like notating like what will be a header and what will be a subheader. So it doesn't look like a header or a subheader yet, but there's code in like brackets for when that happens. Uh, so really should be any day now. I should have that copy back. As I mentioned before, I will then be sharing it with at least one publisher who has shown some interest, uh, depending on how that goes, could determine when or if the Kickstarter actually happens or not. So I'm still kind of in a holding pattern. Cool. All right. That's good news. All right. So what about uh, what about a Catacon? Any updates on that front? I, I have seen some pictures. Yep. There's some new merch. I And again, I'm, I truly mean this. And I'm, anybody who knows me knows I'm not lying. I freaking love this year's logo. I yep. think J.Dot outdid themselves i love that it it is so much the x-men cartoon vibe which is exactly what i wanted to use as inspiration i'm putting it on all kinds of stuff mostly so i can have it but i'm sharing pictures and other people are like hey if you make that i'll buy it so i literally made a a one-off mouse pad to take to work and now we're going to do just a few not many but we're going to have a few mouse pads available at a catacon Um, i did one of those neoprene dice trays that you know you it basically looks like a mouse pad but you can snap the corners together and people are like i would buy one of those so we're going to do a few of those as well 
Uh, it's the t-shirts this year. I'm not even doing like the weird yellow green t-shirts. I just want a blue t-shirt so I can have that. So the faculty ones this year will look exactly the same as all the others, except they'll say faculty on the back. And there might be more coming. I got the poker chips. We got the dice coming. So probably nothing major anyone really would need to know about, but uh, it's still in progress. Still things are moving along. I'm supposed to have a meeting with um, Katie sometime in May uh, just to go over numbers again, make sure we're still on the same track, all that kind of good stuff. But uh, realistically, not anything huge, but I will then transition into Gen Con. Uh, We are still planning on going to Gen Con and the COVID numbers are once again, going on the rise and things are getting scary, but the plan is to go. They are requiring vaccinations and masking, which I'm fine with both of those. I'm, I'm hosting two events, Scooby-Doo Dread, which sold out instantly. Again, one of my favorite things to run. And I am doing my D&D panel, the introduction to DMing. In the past, I've always had two co-presenters with me. Right now, both the people that normally do that with me at Gen Con aren't going or are not available because they're going for work now. But uh, even if I have to do it solo, I'll do it. But it's out there. It's Thursday morning, 9 o'clock. There's 150 spots available. We've already sold. I say sold because it's free, but 50 tickets have been taken. So it's about a third full right now. I would love to fill it up. It's, it's, it's sold out every year. Again, it's, it's always free, but you have to get a ticket. Um, this year with lesser uh, attendance, I, I'll be happy if we get even halfway there. So pretty, pretty thrilled, actually, with where it's at. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I wish that someday Gen Con's one of those things where I have no desire. I just don't have a desire to go. It's amazing, though, dude. I'm seriously, it's life changing. I get it. I don't know. Maybe someday it's just it's not my cup of tea. But because I, I do hope to one day do that introduction to DMing panel with you. I think that oh, would be a lot amazing. of fun. Yeah. But yeah, not this year busy (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot going on so there's a lot going on it's it's on the bucket list yes bucket list uh actually it's not on the bucket list but maybe it'll be on the bucket list someday you coming's on my bucket list okay so you have to go before i die okay we can make that happen no promises okay so (laughs) the if it doesn't who's to complain i'll be dead yeah yep that's right all right so the next thing is i have not been following news stuff even though the the little bits that I've seen have just been, I guess, big. I didn't. I typically love to whenever Watsi announces a book, I love to go check it out so I can have like give be very opinionated about it. But <laughs> and and but I didn't do that when they announced the Planescape stuff. That's like old news at this point. But I know you all have your crowdfunding show, but there's a yep. lot of cool Kickstarters right now. There are and so many, so many. Like it is absolutely bonkers how many kickstarters i want to back mm-hmm. right now and it's like these are not just like oh maybe i'll like maybe i'll do it or maybe i'll just i'll do it but i'm not really interested in the game these are like games that i legit want to run long campaigns yeah. of like the ones off the top of my head are obviously the blade runner rpg another free league product Brindlewood mm-hmm. Bay. I want to mm-hmm. do a four session campaign of that. And then there's also the Die RPG yep. right now, which is just like amazing. And that's just like scratch the surface. Like next week, the Batman RPG comes out mm-hmm. uh, by Monolith. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Michael, is there anything that's striking your fancy right now? So I have done very good. I've been very proud of myself this year. I have 
severely pulled back the number of Kickstarters that I've been supporting. Cause I've always been able to justify in the past that it's a catacon. Like even if it's not really, it still will go into the catacon stuff, even if it's technically for me, but I spent way too much money on a couple. I went really big on some of the bigger ones and probably honestly sh- probably should not have, but I did. Uh, so this year I've been trying to be a lot more con- limiting frugal, but this econ show, we keep finding cool Kickstarters. And so I've just sort of been saying like, you know what? I might just do PDF level. So yeah. I did PDF level of Brenda Wood Bay. I did PDF level of Die. I'm going to definitely do at least the PDF level of the Batman one. I may go in for a hardcover, depending on what it looks like, because it's probably going to have kick-ass art in it. Yeah. So I do a lot, like when I do the the show, which was now called TTRPG Crowdfunding Review, um, I try to focus mine on RPGs specifically. I don't always, but like 9% of the time, I try to find RPGs. And I've found a bunch of like $3 and $5 ones. I've been throwing a couple bucks at those, like the low level PDF things. So I ha- I'm not spending like big chunks of money, but I'm finding a ton that I'm interested in. Yeah, there are, it's, it's crazy because the, it was like in like March and April was just kind of dead. There really wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a ton, like, why do they do that? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, no, these companies are all not talking to each other. Right. But but they, maybe they should. <laughs> you know, maybe. May, maybe there should be some collusion in, hey, let's try to give people more paychecks in between this. Yeah, because the thing is, I can't, because I'm all in on Blade Runner and PDF on Brendel Wood Bay, that means I've got a, I'm foregoing die. All right. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get the Batman game. All right. Yep. <laughs> So it's one of those, and obviously, I feel like this is more of like these companies, they just need to do a better job as far as their marketing person, putting their ear to the ground and kind of seed when other stuff is going to be launching. Obviously, we know this firsthand with running a convention, that is it impossible to pick a date where you're not, where you're going to make everyone happy. You're always going to be running over, overlapping with something, but it was like, come on. There was nothing in March, like nothing. It was so anyway, um, the Batman RPG. I want to talk about this real quick uh, because we did get a listener question about this and we'll just go ahead and talk about this right now. But this game, they say it's D20. All right. Mm -hmm. They have it. People were like, oh, it's going to be 5E. I read a little bit of information. I don't think it's 5E. I don't think it's going to be D and D is SRD unless they've really changed a lot of names, but they don't mention the greatest role playing game ever or any of those kind of like keywords. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to get it, but I think I I think what's going to stop me is if I start looking at it and I'm like, oh, this is just it's just five E. But right now, I'm hoping it's not because I I've I've lambasted so many. 5e licensed games on yep. this podcast that i cannot do that <laughs> even for batman i don't know i think i said in our discord you know i may have my price so it, it just depends on what it looks like what the artwork what the cover is i'm sure there'll be like a, a alt deluxe cover that's probably going to be just amazing it's the art is just like Batman art is just so good because all these artists artists and a lot of the artists with who do monolith stuff are a lot of them are Spanish and French artists. It, it also they're also Italians too. It's just a lot of European artists who have all this reference material from years of comic books, so they can just make amazing art really fast. Mm. 
We did get a question from uh, Chris Constantin um, at DRevRPG on Twitter that asked, best version of Batman in an RPG? I don't know if Chris is asking, like, is this the best Batman RPG or the best Batman NPC? How, how would you take this, Michael? The way I interpreted the question was if you were going to build a version of Batman in D&D, how would you do it? Oh, I don't know that that's what they meant, but that's the only way I could really, under- I, I think maybe we need more clarification on the question. So as usual, when it comes to character builds in D&D, I defer to the experts and I found that yes, total party thrill, you guessed it, they built a Batman. Episode 82 of Total Party Thrill. So I would just do whatever they said. That sounds like a good idea. So, uh, yeah, no. And then, yeah, no, uh, lots of cool stuff going on. All right. The, uh, after that rabbit hole, the other piece of news that has been kind of making its rounds, Gen Con and Origins both announced a mask and COVID vaccine mandate at the convention. This comes on the heels of the UK Games Expo, getting rid of everything. Mm. All right. So uh, this is a tricky one. Uh, I'm curious to see how it lands for Gen Con with the airlines dropping their mask mandates. I think a lot of people were uh, thinking that they Gen Con and Origins would not do any mask mandates, but they went a step further and did vaccine mandates too. Yep. So uh, however you feel about it, that is what is going to be happening there. And, and to be clear, as far as I can tell in the numbers, they are bad. Yeah. They, are, they are at levels where we would have before been requiring these things and having lockdown. But we're just at the point in America where we're like, well, we're over it. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. And so I'm all for this. Now, as someone who runs my own small convention last year, we did not have any of these uh, protections in place. I understand the difficulty of enforcing this and, and, and actually policing it, for lack of a better term. And we chose not to simply because I didn't think it was truly enforceable in a group of three to 500 people. I have no idea how they're going to do this at Gen Con with 40 to 60,000 people. But yeah. again, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. I'll get the fourth one. If they give me an option for it, I will wear a mask, no problem. So I'm happy to comply to go to Gen Con. Yeah, I think at this point, uh, it's, yeah, how do, they, how do they enforce this is going to be... Uh... A tricky thing i think for me like obviously traveling so much for my work i'm on airplanes i'm i'm comfortable not wearing a mask on airplanes because of all the hepa filters and everything that are installed and most people i've seen traveling are comfortable that way but i think the one thing that would push me to wear a mask would be a convention just because it is that it's indoors but it's not just indoors it's with a ton of people Right. And the, this is the reason I don't go to Gen Con is the pictures I see of Gen Con where people are shoulder to shoulder smashed in. And that's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, con crud is a thing. And when we're getting way into the weeds here. So even when I just go to Gen Con, I usually come back with like a cold. So it kind of makes sense just anyway, not on, you know, in top of the fact that we have this COVID, back, you know, virus that it continues to mutate and, you know, is, is super contagious, if not necessarily a high death rate. It's, it's a high enough death rate based on how contagious it is that it's, you know, again, uh, not to get political, but we've lost over a million people in the U.S. now from that. That's huge. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I'm all sport ma- vaccine mandate, which is, again, kind of funny because I hosted a convention that we didn't do that last year, and right now we don't plan on doing it this year either, but it's 
there's, there's, a, there's a reason why that I still stick by that I don't think it's enforceable. And I would rather people not come to our convention if they don't feel comfortable than me say, I will make sure that everyone's vaccinated. And then I actually can't do that. Yep. Okay. So, so big news there. All right. So this one, we, you started, we're going to be revisiting Dungeon Talk 22 along with Wind Good Night Part 2. All right. We're only touching on a few things here because a lot of the stuff that we is discussed in this episode are things that we've talked about really recently. And you guys mm-hmm. mentioned this, um, like uh, you're talking about some of the same stuff, rehashing stuff. But one of the things that we got to talk about is this, as far as I can tell, is the very first time you mention a catacon. You have just come back from Gen Con. Last episode, you talk about Gen Con. And then you don't even think about a name or a question name. A catacon was just like, you just say it. You <laughs> breathe it into existence. You're like, hey, guys. I want to do a catacon in somebody's basement, you know, September or so. Like, you guys are going to come. Like, you just throw that right on them. So that was it. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a red letter date in the history of the RPG Academy podcast. I can't imagine there's any other huge news that, you know, might get its first appearance in the same episode. Probably not. Uh, one other thing, though, you did talk about RPG shirts, Michael. Ooh, um, okay. You, you, you've told me about your RPG shirts before that you've wanted to make. And me personally, I think they're pretty cringy, but you like them. So I know you enjoy telling people what they are. So what are some of these T-shirt ideas that you have had? Well, we had one that we actually had artwork made up, but I don't know that we ever actually made the shirts for bacon strips which was the name of an in-game strip club in the Made Men universe. And the image is of a uh, female-formed, like, anthropomorphic pig in a bikini that is pulling strips of belly fat off, like bacon strips, as they're dancing on a pole. Oh, I don't like that imagery at all. Now we gotta t- we have to tag this podcast. Michael. Oh, it's great. Oh, I, again, it's it's I love it because it came out organically through the game for the through the episode we're just talking about. It. It's like it's like an end joke basically. If you listen to Made Men, and then we had another one. This would would have been years later because it was when um, we were doing a, a game with Caleb, where we were talking about the I think we, it was called the Blinking Gorgon which was basically like a Medusa strip club. And the tagline was get rock hard at the blinking Medusa. Okay. Pot. We did not have art made for that, but I still think it's a really funny gag. The podcast has changed greatly <laughs> since then. <laughs> okay. All right. So the other big thing that happened in this episode is Caleb G. Is the- meant the is mentioned for the first time and let me just kind of let's do a pop quiz time michael do you remember what caleb was doing originally for the show back in the day yeah he was writing articles because we were wanting to get written articles on the website and i'm too lazy to write things i just like talking because it's much easier for me it takes less work and he had emailed the show he would he'd found us and we were just talking back and forth and i believe he started off with it was like a just a description of his like one of his favorite characters uh, who I believe was like a cleric. And then after that, he was going to do some, I think like character class breakdowns or or something to do with like, like exploration of various uh, classes, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was first time Caleb was mentioned. So, 
circle back to the t-shirts. I still, we have made the, if you can read this, I failed my stealth tech shirt, which yeah, I actually that. think is brilliant and I love it. And someone has stolen that, all right? Which is possible that I stole it from someone else and not realized it, but I've seen online people selling that shirt. Man, sh- should have trademarked it. I know. All right, the red bubble still would have stolen it. All right, so now uh, you guys did talk. The one thing in this that I want to talk about is a listener question. We talked about this briefly. I just wanted to mention this because I got a hot take on it. What do you do if one of four players only wants to do combat and they get bored with everything else? It's a social game. The other three people, we can't expect them to just do combat all the time if they would prefer to do other things. So I think you just tell that person, I'm going to do a blend. We're going to have some sessions that have combat. There may be some sessions with multiple instances of combat. There may be some sessions with no combat, but combat's probably going to be part of the game. I'm sure we're talking about D&D here. So, you know, you're going to either have to find a way to get engaged with the stuff that you don't normally like, or you just need to not be a distraction and let the other people have their fun, their time in the sun when they're doing the role play stuff. And then when it's your time to shine, when it comes to combat, you know, get back excited. As long as they're not like actively hurting the other elements, they're not like trying to push us through or trying to throw in like snide comments or, you know, like in the middle of a negotiation, they just screw this. I'm going to attack the person, which can sometimes be funny, but I'm assuming it's not. Then it's okay. I just think again, open communication. This is what the game's going to be like. Can you, can you share the spotlight with the other players? Okay. Uh, the, the Nico went even further, and this is kind of where it's not my hot take. It's me agreeing with Nico's hot take, and it was funny. I, because, I miss Nico so much. I God, know. I she was still in the I know, right? He was so eloquent the way he said this. All right. He said that basically that if there is a player who they only like one thing, who cares? Like, <laughs> just let them sit there and swill in their own you know regret that they're not doing combat and then us as the game master we need to not let that bother us in the sense that like oh they're not having fun in this very moment who cares like this is a group game and if they want to choose to you know not be engaged with it it's don't put that on the game master to make sure that they're having fun at every minute of this game, which is a trap that I think I have fallen into before. Not sure if you've fallen into this before, but this, this like, there's this social pressure at the table, especially when I first started playing where I was like, Oh, if somebody's not having fun with this, what can I do to get them into the story? You know? Oh, what's your, what's your care? Like, let them do that. Like, don't put all the pressure on yourself. I mean, it's, it's a saying for a reason, but you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And if, you know, if everyone's having fun and one person isn't, I think it's natural for the person who's running the game to be drawn to, oh, I've got everybody but this person. How can I bring them into this, you know, into this level of fun everyone else is having where, you know, again, I think to Nico's point, maybe you don't, but it is hard not to want to try you know, it's yeah. like you're, do, you're doing all this right. There's this one thing that's wrong. We focus so much energy on the one thing that's wrong rather than just embracing the things that are going well. And again, it's a social game. I think, I think a lot of people, myself included, who, who are, you know, lean towards wanting to be dungeon masters or game masters, we are the type of person 
who is aware of those sorts of things. Like we pick up on social cues pretty well. We read nonverbals pretty well. And we are going to be drawn to that. So I can see where the answer is easy, but the, impl- the execution, the implementation of that, my, even my own advice might be actually hard to do. It's tough because I think I've gotten better at this. When I'm obviously I'm running a game for my kids, that's one thing, you know, they're kids. But if I'm running a game for adults and somebody just doesn't want to get into it, I'm not going to put like extra effort into trying to get them into that. I'm not going to just like not focus on them. I'll give them chances and stuff. But before in the past, I would really like, oh, oh, they're not having fun. Like, I need to get them in. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was just, yeah, it's, uh, there was, it was just, it put too, way too much weight on myself to make sure that every single person at the table was having the perfect experience. And you can't do that. You can't control how people are feeling at the table. So right. help them your best. But don't put that pressure on yourself. Yep. I pretty much agree. Good job, Nico. Yes. All right. Where are you, buddy? I know. I really want to talk to Nico. Okay. So we have a listener question. Uh, We have several listener questions, actually. We're going to switch gears, switch over to listener questions. Lots of good ones. So, Michael, you want to kick things off? Yeah. This comes from friend of the show, Andrew. Andrew asked, if money were no object and you had your current knowledge of games... Friends who play games and choosing one game meant that you could never play any other game. Which role playing game would you choose to play? And then which board game would you choose to play? That's tough from a role playing game perspective because I don't play a lot of expensive games because I don't play D&D. And D&D is the game where you can really dump a ton of money in. So. Thinking about like like what game would I choose to play to Infinity, I would probably go ahead and just say Forbidden Lands mm-hmm. because it's the open world nature of the game is kind of conducive to a never ending campaign. But since money is no since money is no object, I would go ahead and buy all of my friends houses (laughs) next to mine all right Mm -hmm. and then we would buy another house that's just for our gaming the gaming house yes it would be the gaming house and we would have just we could do like immersive role-playing scenes and that's what that's the rpg for me i'm gonna be very basic it's gonna be D&D for me Uh, i'm gonna cheat and say D&D because then that way I can say well when sixth edition eventually comes out i can use that version or if i want to play basic i can play that version but I kind of equate it almost to like food. Like if you had to say you could only pick one restaurant to eat at every meal for the rest of your life, you know, I, I could pick a high-end steakhouse, but eventually I'm going to get tired of steak. I could pick something obscure like Indian food. I love Indian food, but I don't want to eat it every meal for the rest of my life. You know, something like sushi, it's like too niche. I'm going to go with like an all-American diner type of place if I have to make that choice because the burgers are probably pretty good. The steaks are going to be okay. The, you know, the Sundays are going to be all right. Everything's okay. You know what I mean? So D&D does that for me. Yes, it's, it, you know, if you want to have this experience where like your character is, falls off a boat and is saved by a mermaid and you have to decide whether or not you are going to live with the mermaid or the mermaid's going to come live with you, basically the, the movie Splash with Tom Hanks, there's probably a game that does that super well. But I don't want to play that every day for the rest of my life. 
D&D does a lot of things pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if I want to do a game that's like a murder mystery, I can tweak D&D enough. It may not be the best version of a murder mystery, but it'll be fun. So for D&D, for me, D&D is that all-Americana burger joint sort of diner that it does everything okay. And that's good enough for me most of the time. I still have a variety. I can still do a few other things, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I love sushi. And then like six weeks later, never want sushi again. That, Michael, that is a good analogy because I think you perfectly, I think that really captures the essence of D&D and like my thoughts on it because, and me personally, because as some of the people in our Discord know, I do have a, a refined palate, you know, vegetarian, those, all those kind of things. But, and that same goes for RPGs. I like the weird stuff, but you know what? Every once in a while, I'm just driving past White Castle, and I just want to put some crap in my system. And so the same thing goes with D&D. Every once in a while, you know, I just, you know, you just got to hanker in to play it. Yeah, I completely understand that. Yeah, okay. All right, so for me, the harder, much harder question was board games. And, And I'll go first here. So, you know, it's no secret. Hanabi is my favorite board game. But it's really more of a card game. Like when I think of board games, I think of things that are a little bit more complex. And as much as I love Hanabi, I don't think I would want to play it as the only game I play. It's a great starter game. It's a great game to play like the beginning of a game night. I love playing it with new people, like more so than even people I know. Because honestly, it's got to the point that if I play it with, you know, like Rocky and Michael Franke, we can get to 25 almost every time unless we just have a crazy bad draw because we know each other's tendencies. We know how to play. We, you know, we almost have like our own language. So it would get kind of boring after a while if I could only play that game ever and ever. But I don't, I don't have a good answer. I, I think what I would go with right now, my answer is going to be Marvel Legendary, somewhat similar to D&D because I have all the expansions. I'm going to continue to get all of them. And there is variety baked into the game. I can play it solo or I can play it with multiple people. You can change up the mastermind or the scheme or which heroes you play. So that you have built in variety. I really like deck builders. So it, you know, it kind of hits a lot of those things, but I still think if that's the only game I'm playing, I'm going to get super bored of it pretty quick. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, for me, this is, I think this works. I would choose the Arkham Horror LCG. All right. Uh, have you ever played a LCG campaign style card game? No. All right. You would love it. It's basically, for those who don't know, what happens is Fantasy Flight, they release campaigns for the game. All right. And you buy the main box and then you buy subs- subsequent scenarios. And each scenario is a story, all right? And you play it out, but there's cards and stuff, and it is a, it's a deck building. You're trying to beat a mission, all right? It's very story-focused, all right? There's books and everything with it, all right? And me and my wife are obsessed with this game, all right? And we've played through the first two campaigns. We're going to be working through the third campaign, and we have dropped so much money on this already because it's fantasy flight and there are we have barely scratched the surface there is so much additional content that we have not gotten to yet because we're working through the backlog of stuff so if money's no object it's like i mean i'm gonna have to spend thousands of dollars just in card sleeves because we sleeve all of our cards for this you have to have yeah you have to so this lcg is going to provide years of 
playtime. Super expensive. So I can, with all this free money I currently have, I can buy it all. So super excited for that. I put, I threw this out on Twitter and actually got quite a few people responding. There are several games I never heard of. I've got a a short list of games I'm going to look into uh, because other people's like, this is the game I would play forever. Uh, But Chris from the Redemption podcast mentioned uh, that Zombie Side probably would be his. He's a big fan of Zombie Side. And he and I both went in pretty big on that Marvel zombie side that, that came in on come on recently that we still haven't gotten. That also might be a contender for me because zombie side is a lot of fun. It, there's a lot of variety. And again, that Kickstarter for Marvel, there's it's superheroes, which I love. And there are a lot of variety to the scenarios and you can kind of make your own once you play the game. So you could kind of do your own thing. So I thought about that one, but I don't, like I don't have a strong conviction of like, this is the one I have a bunch. I'm like, that is not the one. But I don't, I don't know. I don't have a great answer. All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for the question. That was a really fun question. and got a lot of engagement on Twitter, too. So thank you, sir. Okay. Next question. All right. This comes from Grant. Uh, this is fr- Grant at the Fox Blade on Twitter. And Grant's also at our Discord and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how would you do a sporting event with characters in a tabletop RPG that isn't just a bunch of skill checks? Is it possible without making a whole lot of subsystems or just narrating the whole thing? That's a good question. I feel like we've touched on this at some point in the past or a similar question. I, I don't remember exactly what we said, but I know that when the Witchlight D&D 5e campaign came out, there's a bunch of like circus carnival games that you can play in there, but they're all skill checks. Every one of them is a skill check. So I think that's the easy answers to default to. It's a skill check. You want to do like archery competition. All right, that's a dex check. You want to do wrestling. All right, that's strength or dexterity type of a thing. So I don't know that I have a great answer. I definitely would want to do some role playing. Maybe the role play gives you a bonus or not. Like if you, you know, scope out the competition, if you, you know, get the right equipment, whatever the case may be. But I can't think of a good answer that's not skill check. What about you? All right, I have an answer. All right, lay it on me. As soon as I saw this, I instantly, it was just like materialized in my mind. All right. The, basically what you need to do, all right, and bear with me, this may be a little complicated. All right. So you need to think about a fantasy sport that you may play. You know, it's got baskets, maybe some hoops, um, sticks that people may fight with. I don't know, fantasy sports, usually like a small animal that you have to throw into something or Mm -hmm. through something or catch an animal. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you, this really only works if you have a backyard. So what you need to do is you need to set up the game in the backyard, <laughs> ready to go. All right. So you got maybe some chickens and some hoops and some other things like that. And then you're just playing your game. Everything's everything's great. You're inside. And then when you get to the game and the event, you're like, oh, guys, follow me. And then you open your back door and you're like, all right. You guys stand over here. You all stand over there and let the games begin. <laughs> all right. And then you just let them go. I mean, this is wrestling matches. You got a wrestling match in your game. Go out to the back st- backyard. You dump like a, a circle of sand that every they got to get in, you know, and go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People, your neighbors would be very confused. Your players will probably be confused as well. Yep. Definitely some TikTok material. But this is, it's new. It's fresh. It's not skill checks. It's correct. It's technically not a skill check or a subsystem. I think it would be categorized most closely as abuse. 
No, sports. This is sports. It's sports. Okay. Sports are abuse. Okay, right. anyway. So, right. I'm sorry, Grant. We don't have a better answer for you, buddy. Like, we're not trying not to try, but I don't have a good sports answer. Sports are hard you. in games. Yeah. Games are hard in games. Yes. Uh, Grant had another question. Uh, there was a pretty long, extensive uh, background to it, but the question comes down to, have you ever played a character with a flaw that actively slash mechanically hindered the party or even just their character and how did it go? And this was a reference to, I believe, a character in one of their games that had a fear of heights in a game setting that uses airships pretty regularly for methods of travel. So I have played a character that had claustrophobia and that was definitely an issue for dungeon crawls. This was years and years and years ago. And it similar to like the way Grant kind of explained this is that I still would go into dungeons. Like I would still, you know, be a part of the campaign. But if we got into a particularly small room, and I think that at one point there was like actually a cave in, it did cause my character to sort of have uh, an episode. And I probably didn't handle it with a lot of sympathy or empathy to people who truly suffer from uh, claustrophobia. I used to not. I do kind of have issues with it now in certain situations. But I didn't let it affect the game as much as it was like a Michael thing. Like I got to enjoy the mental space of my character being uncomfortable, but I didn't actually let it affect me mechanically or at least not significantly enough that it hurt the party overall. What about you? Have you ever had uh, a case to do this? Or maybe since you GM mostly a game, someone played a game with you like that? So so I've never played a character like this. In any of the games that I've played, I... I like actively like create like the most mechanically proficient characters I possibly can because I just enjoy doing that. And my characters always wind up having flaws like Batman, such as very much like, oh, I brood a lot or like I'm very deep and dark and emotional, like that kind of flaw. Like thinking of like characters that have had flaws, nothing really mechanically. I just don't. I play with a bunch of, uh, Power gamers in like the good kind of way, they make these really cool characters and they really care about the mechanics of them and everything. So they typically aren't going to do like a mechanically hinder the party. They'll come up with some sort of role playing way mm-hmm. that they are going to role play out how this is going to, how th- this may be a flaw or something that is some drama. Because right. obviously they all know, like, you have the lows in drama as well as the highs. So they'll role play that. But none of them will ever, like, take the chance and paint themselves into a corner with that. So, yeah. I, no. If you ask Scott, Matt, or Caleb, they probably would all agree that Army had some mechanical flaws just because I chose to never use the weapons I was proficient in or never wear uh-huh. armor. Or I would just choose to put myself in situations that Michael knew this is bad, but army didn't because that's not the type of person she was. So that was more of a personality type than a flaw. But again, I I would think they would categorize those as flaws, but I had a lot of fun with army. She's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite character I've ever played. Cool. All right. So we have a question here from, um, Tome. I think it's Tome. If you could set up the perfect podcast office gaming space, what would it have? Yeah, this is definitely, I think this may be one of those questions that one of us sent in. All mm. right. Oh, uh, is that yeah. Tom? Oh, yeah, okay. A, yeah, it's a throwback to when you guys just used to only send yourself questions. All right. So, yeah. So, I am setting up my, we just moved. I've got a new space. All right. I'll describe it to you. It's bigger than my 
blast space, it's going to be more conducive to podcasting because um, it's just the way that the room is. Uh, it's it's going to work out a little better. But what? I don't know. Uh, I'm having trouble like visualizing this. Like, what would the perfect office podcast gaming space like? What would it? What would it have? So, well, I can say from for me because I have a pretty good setup. Um, okay, but but my biggest issue is still sound. Like I I still have because the kids do their thing and just th- there's not enough sound dampening here. So in a perfect world, it would be like a guest house. <laughs> like I would have okay. an actual house separate of my house, and that's where I do everything. But that's not reasonable. Uh, next to that would be like I basically have a bedroom that I've turned into my office, and it has a closet. In a perfect world, it would have two closets. Maybe you have like a his and hers type of situation, like on a main uh, bedroom, which probably wouldn't work because that's where the main bedroom is going to be. But uh, what I would want to have is a central space where I have my gaming table and I have my selection of my favorite games, which is what I currently have. Then I have a closet with all of the other games that take to a catacomb. They're fun to play, but they're not ones that I'm probably going to get to the table with my kids. You know, like, like that's what our, that's basically what's out in my room are the games I play with my kids or I play solo by myself. And then I would want that other closet to make that my podcast studio. So it would be a small space. I would line it with uh, the sound dampening foam or those, you know, sound absorbing egg crate looking things. Um, it would be soundproof, either have like the the drywall that has sound dampening or there's like a special type of insulation you can put in there. Basically when you close the door, it'd be like you were in a bank vault. Absolutely no external sound would come in. And that's, I would just have like a small desk. Basically what I have is I have a small desk with lighting on either side, my laptop and a microphone. And I would just put this into a separate room with another door I could close that would give me sound dampening. So central room, two closets, Central room big enough for the game table and a selection of games. Closet one for extra games. Closet two for podcast and studio. If I could manage that, I would have little to complain about in this world. Yeah, so what I have is we have, it's a 120-year-old home. All right, so the things I'm dealing with are we've got high ceilings in this room. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, the walls, it's old house, so it's all slats and plaster with paneling over that. So I've we have very, very thick walls. So I'm not too worried about like ambient noise mm-hmm. coming in. But I, I'm curious to see what the what the overall sound quality is. I'm gonna be able to put my desk in a corner. So it's gonna be a little bit better for the sound stuff. But one of the other things that I'm thinking about do well I'm going to do this. I'm not putting our main gaming table in this room. All right. We are very much because uh because my wife plays games with us with like we want our games to be kind of like a part of our common living space so we're going to have our gaming table in our dining room all right and we'll have gaming shelves set up in there all right and but the office area because like i said my wife and i we like to play arkham horror lcg so what i really want to do is i want to get a smaller table make it more of like this real kind of cozy space where we can play this really creepy game together so i'm i'm like i'm trying trying to figure out that maybe i don't know what that'll look like so but yeah i'm curious to see if anybody else like if there was something that you would have in an office or a gaming space let us know like what would that dream gaming space 
look like. I don't want that for me personally, that whole like kind of basement tavern kind of thing with wood paneling and all the make it look like a old timey D&D tavern. I mean, that's cool. That's right. not like that's really cool. It's I'd like to go tea. to a place and play there. I would not want to have that at my like it doesn't fit my aesthetic either. Yeah, for me, I want to have my my office corner where we've got podcasting stuff and then I want to have a small cozy. I want a cozy game space, you know? Dimmable lights, you know, make it real creepy from when we're playing creepy games. Excellent. <laughs> That's what I want. All right. So, thank you everybody who sent in questions. Really do appreciate it. These are actual real people that have sent in real questions. So thank you to everybody who sent in questions. You are real people who actually sent them in. I do appreciate it. Uh, we kind of usually make a call for them on Facebook, Twitter, and Discord when we know we're going to record, but we were always open to them. Uh, like Andrew just sent me one out of the blue as a, from an email. So please, you know, if you can do that, the RPGacademy at gmail.com. Really appreciate it. If you come only for the faculty meetings, you are missing so much content. We are, we are so more prolific right now. We are releasing so many episodes. It's, it's honestly probably too much. But we just have so many things coming out from show and tells because we both we got Chris and Larry that are helping with show and tells right now because Tom's been out. Thank you. Uh, yes. Thank you both. Um, we got a new actual play series that's going to be starting soon. We do our TTG RPG fundraising uh, crowdfunding uh, episode every other week. We have detention every other week. There's just a ton of things out there. So if you do listen to faculty meetings. Explore some of the other things we have. Pick and choose if you would like. Film studies. We've had two amazing episodes of Phil studies come out recently, The Three Musketeers and the, A Knight's Tale. Uh, so check out those other things. Let people know. Try to spread the word. We, we've kind of ebbed and flowed over the years with uh, the number of listeners. We are pretty much down from where we have been at our height. But I think the, co- the quality of what we put out now is as good, if not better, than anything we've ever done. So I, I just want more people to listen. So those of you who are yeah. listening now, Help us out. Make sure that, because I can't tell you how many times I see on Twitter, hey, recommend a podcast, and no one recommends us, unless I do. Facebook, Reddit, same thing. If you see any opportunity to drop our links, we'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, I do want to mention again, The Sample Adventures is our most recent actual play. We recorded the first episode a couple of days ago. It was supposed to be a streaming show, but my internet was just not having it. It it was worse than usual, but we are going to continue to try to stream those, but they will be uh, audio only as well. So please be looking forward to that in the near future. I think that's it for me, Tom. Do you have anything else before we sign off? No, it's good to be back on the show. Uh, I think I probably will need, like, once I get the office set up, once I got the gaming space set up, a desk to record, then I'll be, it'll be regular show and tells and streaming once again. Fantastic. So the other day I did actually, um, because we haven't had any new reviews in, months now, like eight, nine months since we've had a new review. So I think one of the last episodes I said, if you wrote a review eight years ago, maybe go ahead and update it, you know, uh, maybe give us some new, some new compliment or uh, comments. And we got a, what happened on Apple iTunes is that our review count went down one and then it went back up one and we now have a review. So I don't know if this person wrote a review that was before just a rating or if they did edit it, but I want to give a shout out to Jimmer Jimbo James who we, as of May 10th, has a new written review, just says, great podcast, five stars, so much fun and so much content. 
So I think that's what happened is that either it was a, just a rating before now to review or they did edit their comments. Thank you. That was still nice to see that someone's listening. I'm still like, we're at 139. We've been there for like eight months. I'd love to see it get to 140. So if anyone out there, if you find a phone unattended on a bus, leave us a review and then give the phone back to the person. Be nice to them. We would really appreciate that. So I think that will do it. So uh, just quickly before we go, again, as a reminder, all the episodes going forward, we have links to the Trevor Project. We have the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number, and we also have a crisis text line number. Um, If anybody, you or yourself, uh, you or someone you know, is dealing with a mental health illness or crisis, please reach out get support from people who are qualified to help you. And then if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.